Amen. Well, Valley family, it's great to be here with you. And, and for some of you, you're like, I don't know you. Uh, who are you? And uh, well, my name is Bobby Cook. And uh, when I was here, I was uh, I was just Pastor Bobby, and uh, I was here about it's been about what, a little eleven years ago, and so it's been a long time. And um, and so it's just great to be back here. I was here last week, and great good to be back here again. I'm so thankful for Chad and for you guys for letting me be here and share and and um, and just speak. And also I have my family here with me, and so my wife, my three boys, um, Riley, Braden, Graham, they're there, and uh, they're awesome. And so uh, some of you guys will remember. Um, Maybe you remember Graham and Brayden, and you remember Kim, but Riley didn't come until after we left here. So, uh, so, so that was our newest addition there. And uh, but they're all grown and getting big, and and so and and they're getting taller and taller, and waiting for that day where they can be taller than me. So, um, but one of the things too, since now that I'm back here, something that's kind of been strange to me in, in a way, um, but but this this new initials I get to put before my name. Uh, so I finished my doctorate in May and in leadership, and so that's been a that's been a huge hurdle that um, that we as a family they supported me, but we worked we got through, and so so uh, so that's not a typo, Doctor Cook there. So, anyways, um, so that's enough about me, and um, and and so I just wanted to to just talk a little bit about a little bit bouncing off of last week, but talking about. Uh, that God cares for you. And so we're going to spend some time in his word. We're going to look at John 19. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to John 19. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, in the time that I've spent in ministry, I've been in ministry for over 22 years now. And, and, um, and, and I've walked with so many individuals with families with, uh, and I think about, um, I see some of the families out here in front of me. You know, I, I think about uh, when I hear the news about the new baby in the York family, and uh, you know, being here. I mean, they were my youth. Um, I, they were teenagers, and and they were dating. And I said, you know, as as a youth pastor to them one time, hey guys, if you ever get married, I'll do your wedding. They're like, yeah. And so I was on vacation, uh, and they called me and said, hey, remember that promise you made to us? And I'm like, oh, you remember that? They're like, yeah, you need to come back and do our wedding. And so I was able to do their wedding. So that was just a really cool thing to be a part of. And now they're having a baby. And, and so I just totally like text him and said, hey, we're going to crash in on you guys to see that baby today. So, uh, so, you know, just, just so cool to, to be able to, uh, to look back and just to see those joys and those joyful times in ministry. But there's also times where I've had to walk with families. I mean, there was one family at a previous church where I was able to have those, you know, those happy times and, and, and marrying their daughter off and, and doing those different things. But, but I've also had to walk through some painful times where their mother passed away and, and I had to do the funeral. And, and it's just really hard. I mean, visiting families, visiting someone in hospice and praying for them and, and, and watching somebody take their last breath. Those, that's really hard. And, and even, even walking the roads of, of people going through hard times, you know, losing a child or, or having, uh, being laid off of work or, or having an accident. And those things are so difficult. And, and it brings us to this question to ask, you know, when we start thinking about those kind of things, we talked about being in the dark and, and starting to think about who, who is God. And, but then when we face these hard times in our life, we start thinking, well, does God really care about me? I mean, why am I having all this hardship? Why am I having all this pain? You know, it's easy to, to know God cares and to believe in God and to, to worship God in times of joy and things are going well. And man, God, you're awesome. And when things aren't going so well, it's like, man, God, where are you? Where are you today? 
I don't feel your presence. And, and so I want to take us to this moment in, in Jesus' ministry in his life. I mean, it's actually the ending of his ministry in his life. And, and it might seem like a, a, a kind of a weird place to start, but I, I want us just to capture something. I mean, there's so much significance in this moment. I want us just to spend some time and just soaking it in. So Jesus is on the cross. And so just to give you a recap, if, if you're not sure um, who Jesus is and what's going on, but, but Jesus is God's son. He, God is the creator of the universe. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for all of our sins. That's the work that Jesus did on the cross. And, and so in this time, Jesus was born and from a virgin. And, and, and so that's to show that he was fully human, but also fully divine, fully God. And so then as he grows up and uh, in his thirties, he starts a ministry. He recruits some men. He says, be, be fishers of men, be, be followers of me. I want to disciple you. I want to teach you. And they walked with Jesus and they lived their life for Jesus. And then there's a point where Jesus calls them out and says, I want you to to be like me, I want you to make disciples and like I did for you. And, and so, and then there's this moment though, that, that Jesus knew was coming and, and he, and he prays in this garden. And he prays so intently because he knows the time has come where he has to continue to fulfill the promise, fulfill faithful obedience, what God has called him to do. It was no easy task. So Jesus was, his purpose was to die on the cross for our sin. To live out John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Have eternal life. And it's through Jesus. And so this is the point where Jesus had to fulfill the prophecies and fulfill everything so that we could have salvation for eternity. So there's some significant conversations or significant statements, actually, that Jesus says when he's on the cross that fulfills all the prophecies that were predicted about him, the coming Messiah. He is the Messiah. And so there's this one statement, though, that seems a little misplaced, a little odd in this whole stream of statements that Jesus says on the cross. So just if you... Open up your Bibles to John 19. We're going to look at verses 25 and 27. And I just want you to read those quietly as I read those out loud. Standing by the cross Jesus of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciples he loved standing there, and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman... Here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Now, now let me just read that again. Let's read that one more time. Now, standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother and his, his mother's sister, Mary, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and, and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. But then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Now there's so much significance just in those verses. Now now I want you just to picture this. I mean, in this moment, that sounds like such a sweet interaction, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it just sound like, hey, mom, John, I'm going to be going. I need you to take care of each other. But but, (laughs) that is not the case. I mean, I want you, I, I don't want to be too detailed or graphic, but I just want you to understand, grasp this for a moment. Okay. Jesus had been beaten. 
He'd been spat upon. He had to carry his own cross to Golgotha, to this, to this mountaintop, to this spot where they crucified criminals, which Jesus was not. Okay? And it says that he was whipped with, it's called a cat of nine tails that had glass and barbed wire type stuff and bones stuck into this whip. And if you can imagine, just imagine for a moment. Worse than any movie that you've probably ever seen. I mean, literally it says that, I mean, it, it would grab and pull. I'll let your imagination do the imagery there. But, but he just had, just, it said that he was unrecognizable because of the beating he took. And so he was bleeding, he was beaten down. I mean, and just to have this, it was just amazing enough. I mean, because they thought if they beat him enough, then he would die right there and then they wouldn't have to go on through it. But, but he made it through that beating and, and he took more, more lashes, more, more, um, whips than, than anybody that, than, than that can have been humanly possible to survive. And he survived and he still carried his cross and he, did all that to fulfill prophecy. But here he is on the cross. You can't recognize, I mean, hardly recognize him because of just all the stuff that he endured. And he's saying some significant statements as he's up there on the cross. And then he looks down and he sees his mom. In his most horrific sorrow and pain and agony, he thinks about his mother. Just think about that for a moment. He's like, there's my mom. And in Jewish customs, I mean, Jesus was the oldest, and so it was his responsibility to take care of his mother. So some of that was part of the, maybe some part of the thinking here. And, and, and he says this term, he says, woman, behold your son. He's not saying, hey, woman, like with an attitude. He's not like, hey, woman, what's, you know. No, it's like, it's endearing. It's like woman. Like, like man, I, I love you, Mom. And he's recognizing who she is. And, and from that moment on, it says that, that Mary went to live in John's house. So John adopted her as his own mother. Like she became a part of his family. I mean, in the Jewish culture, that is a big deal. If, if you made a promise like that, I mean, that means there's a financial cost. There's a physical cost. Whenever she has issues financially or issues uh, health-wise, like you're taking care of her. She's your mom now. You, you just adopted her. And that's what John took on. But, but listen to this, okay? So Jesus, he, he's fulfilling Scripture when he does this act. Because it's his responsibility to take care of his mom after he's gone, or, or it's his responsibility because he had other siblings, and, and and so, but he was the oldest, and so in this moment he was providing for his mother, and so he is honoring Scripture. And in Exodus twenty twelve, it says, "Honor your father and your mother." So Jesus, in this moment of great pain and suffering, he's honoring his mother right? as he hangs on the cross. Just let that sink in for a moment. Even in that moment, Jesus is still obediently following God. So this is all natural for Jesus to, in a sense, to take care of his mother. Now, now just notice for a moment in this statement. 
It doesn't make the statement any less significant than the other statement that Jesus talks about on the cross. I mean, there, there's some other statements in there where he talks and he says, um, you know, Father, they don't know for what they've done. And they say, uh, you know, this, when he, at the end, he says, this is, this is the end. And Father, you know, take up my spirit. I mean, there's some significance in all those different statements. And he has a conversation with the, with the criminal and, and the two criminals on either side. And, and he says to one that doesn't believe in him, he says, uh, you know, he says, you will not partake in, in, in paradise with me. And the other guy who says, other, other criminal who says, uh, I believe that you are who you say you are. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, Jesus is giving them salvation. But in this moment, I mean, just taking care of his mom while he's on the cross. And these other statements, like I said, are direct fulfillment of prophecy, but Jesus, it seems like he just pauses for a moment, take care of some domestic, some home issues or home stuff. Like it's almost seems like, you know, if you read it one way, you can almost say, man, I think Jesus forgot to take care of his mom. And that was his responsibility. So he's like, oh man, I, mom, there you are. I better go ahead and take care of you because I'm about to be gone here. You know, it wasn't that at all. Jesus, I believe intended for this moment to happen, to teach us something, to show us something, to, to just Help us see a picture of something for a moment. Jesus loved his mother. He had great love and care for her. And I want you just to notice for a moment here. If nothing else, I believe that in this text, in this moment that Jesus is there and the struggling and the suffering and he takes care of his mother, I believe that God is reaching down and he's telling us something. He's telling us this. He says, in your deepest and darkest moment, in your sorrows, I care about you. And you may not seem that think that it's that that significant your situation, but he said, "I love you and I, I care for you just where you are." Even you know, even if you don't think I care, or even think that I'm aware, I care about you. I love you. I did that for my Jesus's mother. I, I took care of her in, in the most horrific moment in Jesus's life. He did that, and he'll do it for you. But I, I want you to to think about some other things here in this text. Now, sure, Jesus had plenty of opportunities to, to take care of this. I mean, you know, there was plenty of times because there was, his disciples were always, always following him, okay? His disciples were always following him, and he always had this group of, of men, and he always talked about his disciples, but there was also women among them, and these ladies were always around Jesus. These are the, the Mary, you know, the... The Gang of Marys. I don't know what, what the best way, but it's always Mary, Mary, and Mary. And wasn't that a band somewhere? Um, Peter, Paul, and Mary. That was the disciples. And anyways, um, so so there's always you know Mary was always there, and John was a disciple. And if you think about it, if you if you look back in Scripture and you, and you look at the Lord's Supper and the Last Supper and, and you know Jesus and they're all reclining and and just you know. And you understand, like, in that day, they didn't have the tables and chairs like we would. I mean, they were, like, laying down. They had pillows and blankets, and they were closer to the floor. And, and they were, you know, and that's why it was so important to wash your feet, because you were, you know, right there next to somebody's feet. And it's kind of stinky, and it was, you know, not pleasant. So you washed your feet because they didn't wear shoes a lot of times. And, and so they had sandals or whatever, open-toe sandals and but whatever. But, but you imagine in this moment, I mean, if Jesus is there, John was there. 
Because John was always at Jesus. I mean, he was always right there. So you can imagine, I mean, they could have been walking down the road and, and Jesus, you know, as they're going to town to town, Jesus could say, hey, John, you know, you know, when I'm going to fill this prophecy coming up, you know, the whole sacrifice thing I talked about when I die, you know, I need somebody to take care of mom. Would you do it? I mean, he could have done it then, or it could have been, you know, right there before he goes to the cross, he gets arrested that he could, he was hanging out, having dinner with, with John and Mary. He said, Hey John, by the way, see my mom over there. I'm, you know, what I'm about to do, I'm, I'm going to down a cross and I'm, I'm going to be gone. And so I need you to take care of my mom. I mean, you know, Jesus certainly could have done that and, and, and provided for his mom in that moment, but, but he didn't. And, and that's why I believe that this is so significant because, like I said, that, that God wants us to know that he cares for us in our deepest and darkest moment. Now, I want you just to think about for a moment all that Jesus endured on the cross. There was three things that I want us to, to think about and keep in mind as we're thinking about God cares for us. And, and why does he care for us? I mean, just think about what Jesus did on the cross for us. I mean, he endured, uh, there's a, a physical cost, a mental cost, and, and a spiritual cost that, that affected Jesus that he gave up so that he could uh, make us in a right, right relationship, a, 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 be the atoning sacrifice for us to be connected in a relationship with God. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid this enormous physical cost for our sins. I mean, he was physically tortured, like I talked about. He was whipped. He was punched in the face. He was spat upon. I mean, he physically took our punishment. When Jesus was on the cross, he paid this enormous mental cost. I just want you to think about all the insults and the abuse that he took. I mean, people were were shouting at him and screaming. and, And I mean, they thought he was the worst person in the world at that moment. And then the physical cost, I mean, just imagine for a moment, Jesus had never been separated from God. And in this one moment, God had to turn his back on Jesus because of all of our sin that he took on himself. God could not look upon that. So there's a spiritual separation for a moment that Jesus experienced on the cross. And it was the most horrific thing that Jesus ever experienced. A separation from God. So, so don't think for a moment that God, that Jesus never experienced or, or felt your pain because he did. Every bit of it. He knows. He took on everything on our behalf. And just so you know, I mean, Jesus, he existed eternally with, with God. He was the Word. The Word made flesh. And so to be separated from God was enormous cost for Jesus. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Listen to these words. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did for us. So I just want us to understand the weight of Jesus' statement to his mother. And we're getting this glimpse, like I said, into the heart of God. That he loves us and cares for us. You know, God wants to offer us more than salvation alone. He wants... 
to love you. He wants to love you. He wants to know you, you to know him personally, to have an interaction, to have a relationship. And no matter how small you think your problem or your 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 details of your life is, God cares. He wants you to, to talk to him. And so this third statement that Jesus says on the cross has so much significance. Jesus is demonstrating his... His deep care and love for our lives. You know, and, and there's this other part that, I, that we kind of skip over when we read that. And I don't know that we take a lot of thought into it, but when you think about it, think, think about this. There's a, a way that he describes his disciple, John. He says, the one Jesus loved. The one Jesus loved. Now, okay, let me give you some context here, okay? So John is the disciple Jesus loved. This is in the book of John. So John wrote the book where he describes himself as the one Jesus loved. Wait a minute. That sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? I mean, it's like saying, well, I'm my mom's favorite son. Now, I mean, granted, I'm her only son, but I'm her favorite son. And, and so what if we went around and said, hey, you know, I mean, you know, what if, what if Tom Sells said, I'm my mother's favorite son? I mean, he may be, he probably is, but, is, but Bobby's not here. So, um, but, you know, he's like, hey, I, I'm the beloved son. Does that seem kind of arrogant? I mean, Tom wouldn't say that because he's not arrogant. He's a humble guy. But, um, but, you know, but doesn't it, I mean, does it come across, I mean, it does kind of at the surface when you think about it, but, but when you look at it a little bit deeper, it's, it's not, it's not what John is saying whatsoever. It's not what John is saying. He's not saying that I'm the best disciple. I'm the most loved. I mean, I'm sure if the the sons of thunder heard him say that, they'd be like raining down on him and arm wrestling him or something, but for the title, but, but John there's so much more here. I mean, scholars believe that, that John was so profoundly aware of his sin and his need for Jesus and that he deeply felt this wonder and this grace of God through Jesus. That he became to know it, that he knew himself because he was the one loved by Jesus. Now, now this is something I want you to grasp this morning. Do you know that's you? That if you believe Jesus Christ, he, he died on the cross, he rose again to save you for eternity, you are Jesus' beloved. You're, the, you're beloved by Jesus. So what if we began to call ourselves the beloved one? Or, or what if we said, hey, what if you said your name? My name is Ed Herbold, and I'm beloved. I'm beloved by Jesus. It's true. It's not weird. It's not like some civil rivalry kind of thing going on. You're not saying you're more important than anybody else, but you're grasping the weight and you're grasping the truth about how much God loves you, the, the depth, the, the height, the, the weight. I mean, can you grab that for a moment? Just say your name and say, Bobby, the beloved one by Jesus. But don't say Bobby, say your name. Okay, ready? Oh, come on. That's pathetic. Come on, do you believe that you're beloved by God? I mean, do you? I mean, maybe you don't. I mean, you don't have to say this if you don't believe it. I mean, you know, but I believe you are. I believe that you're beloved by God. So, so just say, I'm, say your name, beloved by Jesus. Now say it like you believe it. Ready? One more time. Third time's a charm. Ready? Awesome. I heard Bill in there. Bill believes that he's loved by Jesus. Yeah, that's good. 
So, so John, he's not describing himself out of arrogance, but he's saying it's a mark of brokenness that, man, I need God's love so much that I'm beloved. So are you broken enough to say that I'm beloved by Jesus? Think about that for a moment. I want you to listen to, this is my favorite verse, and, and, and I want you to just to let this verse sink in. And, and this is what I want to do. I'm going to give you homework too, and, and I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. But let me just read this verse to you. So Paul describes the saving work of Jesus, the Son of God, in his personal terms, in his own life, when he says this. That he, he said that he loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to listen to this verse, Galatians 2.20. It says, for I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Now I know this says 19b, and some, some, some uh, translations, it has 19b in there as part of this verse. But in other translations, it's just verse 20. And so just don't get, don't get hung up on that. But listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ. It's, it's I, that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I want you to memorize that verse this week. Now, I know Chad's back next week, so I won't be here. So if you didn't do it, I'm going to tell Chad. Okay, I'm going to tell on you. And so, Chad, I'm going I'm to ask him if he'll just challenge you to see if anybody comes to him next week and says the verse. Okay, so, so be ready. Okay, and I'm going to ask him to, to let me know how many and so I can... I can call and chastise you later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but memorize this verse. This is my favorite verse. And uh, not just memorize because my favorite verse. But, but this was a very influential verse in my life. In my, I remember in college, it just, that was a verse that I just had to memorize and just continually remind myself that it's not me who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's because I've been crucified. I mean, what does that mean? I've been crucified. It's my own old ways. My old life has died with Jesus. It's no longer my old self, but it's this new self that, that God is, he's transforming me. He's, he's changing me to be more like him every day. I mean, my favorite book is by Max Licato. I, I just got to talk about this book. I love the title just as much, but it, the title says, God will accept you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way because he wants you to be just like Jesus. Now think about that. So God cares for you because he's redeeming you. His redeeming work is always working in your life. And all you have to do is not try harder, not to try to, to, to just be this spiritual champion, but it's to be, be marked and just realize your brokenness that you have to surrender and give up yourself to him every day. Because trying harder... It means that you believe that you can earn your own salvation, that you can earn your own favor, but you can never earn your favor with God. We're just not that good. But it's only through Jesus and, and through his blood and on the cross and him, he conquered death on our behalf. It's only through that work of salvation that we are saved. So then what happens is we just say, I give up, God. I, I can't do this on my own. I, I need you. And then what happens is out of our love relationship with God, our works for him will be seen. Because we do things out of our relationship with God. We don't do things to earn salvation, but we do things because of our salvation. So no longer is it what, it's not about what we do, but it's what was done for us. Think about it for a moment. 
So I want you to listen to the words from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Listen to these verses. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. That the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend all the saints, what is, with all the saints, what is the length and the width, the height, the depth of God's love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power of, of that work, the work in us. To him be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now those verses pull in everything that I would just described and, and talked about. And, and just for a moment, have you, have you ever pictured, the, I mean, have you ever grasped? The depths, the lengths of God's love for us. I mean, sometimes I think we miss it, that we, we don't really understand it. And for a moment, when we start to think about, man, does God really care for me? The next thing that we should think of is, but what he did for me shows that he cares more than I can ever imagine. Because why? Because I am beloved by God. So when your thoughts go one direction, remind yourself of who God is and what he did for you. But I don't know that we can always grasp God's love, his amazing love for us. But man, let's, let's pray that may God show us the depths, the lengths of your love that surpasses our own understanding. I mean, we can't even grasp it humanly and, and we have to just surrender to it and say, God, you know what? I can't understand it all, but I'm just going to accept it. I'm going to take the next step of faith with you. So some of you may be dealing with sickness or, or guilt or, or, or something, maybe a broken relationship. Maybe some of you are tired and you're lonely. And you feel like, man, it's just silly to talk to God about my problems because he's so he's got bigger things, you know? Bigger things to worry about than little old me. You know, you may feel like that. But I want you to know that God cares about you and he wants to know. He, I mean, God, here's the reality. God already knows your struggle. He already knows your pain. He already knows what you're going through. And it's just kind of silly to think it the other way of not talking to God about it because... But he wants to know you personally. He wants to have a relationship. I mean, you know, my kids, I can tell when something's not right with them. And my wife's more in tune with them than I do. And sometimes I have to get nudged and say, hey, something's wrong with them. Go talk to them, you know. But, but God knows when something's wrong with his children. And so he, he's just waiting for you to come talk to him. Say, hey, God, I, I, I need you. I, you know, I'm going through this. This stuff. Now, I don't mean to get, you're going to think like, I like horror stuff, but I, I don't. But I had this accident recently. Just looking at me, you'd be like, well, no, you look perfectly normal. Well, yeah, it's new normal. But, um, but, but I had this accident, and so I was, um, 
And it's actually three weeks ago, and I was using gas-powered hedge trimmers, so the most powerful hedge trimmers, you know, you can you could probably use. And, and they take off. I mean, I was taking branches off probably about that big, you know, just whacking them down and trimming a bush. And I don't really know exactly what happened. I was holding it. I was doing the right thing. I wasn't doing anything stupid, as far as I could remember. And, uh, it, and it kicked back on me. And for somehow, it, it caught my hand, my, my, actually my pinky finger. You know, and in that moment, I, I felt it. I jerked it down. I, turned, I put it down. My dad was there, and he said, hey, are you okay? I said, hey, can you turn that off? I think I hurt myself. And I had a glove on, so I could see a cut. And so I was like, okay, to myself, you know, talking to myself, I, I've got to pull this glove off and see how, what the damage is. And so I slipped the glove off, and then I realized how bad it really is. Now, I, I don't know. I can't explain why I was so calm and... And had it, you know, I didn't pass out or whatever at that moment, but it was all to, you know, all thanks to God. And so I I had a a clean white rag. I wrapped it around, put pressure on. I knew, hey, you know, my, my finger, you know, it was, it was not really attached. I mean, it was just a little bit attached. And so I was holding it on. So I told my dad, I said, Hey, I need to go to the hospital. I just cut my finger off and he's like, all right. So we got in the car, but I had enough sense to think, okay, I need to get my wallet out of my truck because they'll need my insurance card. So holding my finger together, I went to my truck. I got my wallet, my bag, and I got in the, in the work van as he's driving off. And the last thing I was thinking in my mind was, man, I left my half bottle of Pepsi sitting on the, on the steps. I'm so thirsty. It was lunchtime. I was hungry, you know? So I get to the hospital and, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm holding it. I don't really know the damage. I haven't inspected it myself. And the guide admissions, I mean, they don't believe you. And you walk in, you're like, hey, I have an emergency. Okay, let me see it. Yep, let's get you right back. I'm okay, thanks. You know, and I'm sitting down. They get me down. But, I mean, they got me back there, numbed up, everything, you know, ready to go. And the nurse like, can I bring you something? I'm like, I forgot my Pepsi. Can I have something to drink? You know, (laughs) I'm starving. And so she brings me uh, some crackers and, and a soda. And I'm like... Drinking it down real quick, eating a cracker. And next thing I know, another nurse comes in and grabs those. You can't have that. You're about to be numbed up. I'm like, okay, at least I got a cracker down and, and, and I want a little bitty sodas, you know. And so, so they, you know, so anyway, so I ended up with seven stitches and two days later I was in surgery, really repairing it all. And, and to look at my finger, you would not, it doesn't look like anything. I mean, it just, there's a little, a weird shape that's already kind of funny looking finger anyways, but my fingernails growing back. I mean, everything looks normal. Three weeks. It's amazing what the human body can withstand and do. But I, I have feeling in it. I, I, I can still play guitar. I did try that out um, a little bit, but it's just a little numb on the end. It's a little weird. It's like a, feels like you have a callus, you know, so, but anyways, way more information than you really needed to know. So where was I going with that? That's a good question. <laughs> in that moment, um, I was praying. I mean, I was praying, you know, God, just give me the strength to get through this. Um, you know, I, I didn't know if I would have a finger. I mean, in my mind, I started thinking, I'm just going to have a nub there. It's what's well, going to be left, you know, and um, I, I don't know what it's going to be like. And, and I just had no idea. But not only that, I mean, I was, I was praying. I was like, God, just, you know, I don't really want to just be sitting here going through this. I mean, I'm going to feel this pain, which I, I never felt it. I never felt pain. I mean, it, you know, as soon as I got there, maybe the adrenaline was wearing off and they started numbing me up. So I, I didn't feel it. I was so thankful 
But just the fact, and then, and then having to go to the doctor, and then they unwrap everything, I'm like, oh, God, please help me through this. I mean, it just seems so insignificant to ask God to help me through that part, but, but it was significant to me in that moment, and j- just to make it through that experience. I mean, that's just one example I, I could give you. And, but whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, I just want to remind you that God cares about you, even if you feel like it's insignificant. I want you to know that in God's word, he tells us that he wants to know our struggles, our, our pain, our feelings of loneliness. He wants us to give it to him. And listen to this verse in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your care on him because why? He cares for you. God wants us to cast, to, to give us. I mean, you know, in casting, I think about fishing, you know, you, you cast out the bait. You, you cast it out. He, he wants us to just give it to him. Everybody just, just cast out your, your, your worries and fears right now. Just do it. Just do it. Do that. Do it. Come on. Just cast it out. Just, just here, God, here it is. Cast it out to him. Some of you don't believe that you can actually cast out your, your worries or fears or pain. Come on, do it. Do it again. Everybody, come on. Just throw them out there. We're all silly. It looks all the weird. We all do it together. Just be weird together. All right. So cast all your care to him. He wants to know. Why? Because he cares about you. So don't just believe my word that God cares about you, but believe his word that he cares about you. Philippians 4.19 also says, and my God will supply all your needs. Now, a lot of times we read that verse, we're like, all right, God's word says he's going to supply all my needs. So I want that new Xbox. I want that new, you know, I want that Porsche or whatever, you know, that's, that's a need, right? No, that's a want. But there's this last part of the verse that we sometimes forget that we need to read with that. It says that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory for Christ Jesus. So what is his riches that brings glory to God? It's your life and it's how he's transforming you and shaping you. And as you grow and and know him more, he is going to supply all that you need. For knowing him, for knowing he cares for you, for loving him, for growing in a relationship with him. He's going to supply all that you need. And it's for his glory. So don't forget that. God cares for you. So, so why, do you, why do you need today to realize how much God cares? I mean, even in his own suffering, he provided care for others. Now, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Just close your eyes. I want you to imagine. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. I want you to imagine how different your life will be when you accept the depths and the love that God has for you. I want you to just to get a picture of what that looks like. I want you to imagine what you would be doing with your time. With your family, with your day-to-day at work, what would you be doing? What would your life look like when you begin to accept and grasp God's deep love for you? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just we thank you for your word and how you remind us and you, you care about us. And, and God, you continually tell us and teach us 
how you how much you love us and how we are supposed to love others because of your great love for us. And God, I know sometimes it's hard for us to love who we are, who we're becoming, or what we've done. But God, you tell us that you love us in spite of who we are. But God, thank you so much for not leaving us the way you found us. But you're making us more like you each day. That you're redeeming us. You're you're sanctifying us so we can bring you glory. God, help us just to grasp the depth, the length, the width of your love today. And Lord, help us just to remind us that we need to cast our cares, our worries, our pain, our suffering, cast all of those things to you. It's because you care for us. It's your precious son's name we pray. Amen.